0: Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
1: Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen.
0: And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Sports Radio.
1: Boom! Doug Gottlieb show,
2: Fox Sports Radio, coming to you live and direct from the City of Angels. 877-996-6369 is the phone number. You can uh, hit us up on Twitter, at Gottlieb show, and uh, we will respond. Eight seven seven nine nine six six three six nine. Paging James Harden. James Harden to the basketball floor plays. It reminds you of, of the... Like, there are things from our childhood or early adulthood which you remember, and maybe you don't if you're not like me. Paging uh, Dr. Freely. Dr. I.P. Freely. Right? Like, things like... So, I don't know what happened last night. I would... I'm going to gander a bunch of guesses. I'm going to put together logical explanations, but I have no idea what happened. First, let's give credit where it is due. Greg Popovich and the San Antonio Spurs. They didn't win the game. They beat the Houston Rockets. You can win games and not beat the other team, but that was a no doubter by 39 points on the other team's home floor, without your best player, and without your longtime starting star point guard. Did I mention it was by 39 points? But the idea that James Harden is going to go down, shooting nine threes, 11 shots, six turnovers, seven assists, only making two, like, that's it? Paging James Harden to the basketball floor. Where was he last night? Does the milk carton reference still work? Like, 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 look, I hate to be the guy that tells you when your references are old, but most people who are listening to the Doug Gottlieb show on Fox Sports Radio, like, slapshot references are too old. They just are. Animal House, a little bit too old. You may love Caddyshack, doesn't stand up past the test of time. Like, look, go back and look at the born-on dates of those references. They're a little bit late. Uh, I don't drink milk anymore, and when I do get milk for my kids, it sure as hell isn't a milk carton, so we don't have the missing on a milk carton. So I, I don't know. If we do, we do the, um, what's the, what's there's there's one healthy kind of milk or whatever, organic milk or whatever that is that is still carton style. But I don't ever remember them having somebody's face on it. The milk carton used to be reserved for when a child would go missing. It's funny, these things that we, um, it's funny that these references we use, which are really, at the time, they were actually cruel or scary, right? Like, when you tell somebody to take the chill pill, it, that actually goes back to the, uh, what was the guy's name, John Jones, whatever, who uh, they they were the sect, they broke off, they would lived in a foreign country, Jim Jones, right? And he had people all take a pill, they all killed themselves. Um, but, but, and so the milk carton reference is actually not a pretty reference, but it became synonymous when somebody would disappear and James Harden's game completely disappeared. And look, I can tell you it happens. It does. It happens to the best of us. We have a bad game. We have a bad night. Sometimes you have a bad series. Like it can happen. The the problem with it is. Several fold. This is not the first time we've seen it from Harden. This was a team which was built around Harden, the whole offense. Their backs were against the wall. He didn't seem to show any sort of facial effect. He didn't seem to care. He seemed to be out of it, right? And then there's now pictures and snaps of him going out after the game. And I'm not some prude that goes like, hey, man, you can't go have a beer after a long and tiring season is over. But you can't go have a beer at a club after a long, tiring season's over when you're taking on a team that's seen as inferior because they don't have two of their best players, one of the MVP candidates on your own home floor. You lose by 39 points, and you don't pee a drop. Like, what are you, what are you doing? James Harden going out after last night's game – was a lot like um, I don't necessarily even know if it was a it, there. There is a certain Cam Newton, uh, Cam Newton to it, right? You remember like Cam Newton, not diving on the football in the Super Bowl down six. I thought was inexcusable. Uh, equally bad was his post game. Uh, Q and a press conference performance to which he became really defensive and got up and left. But like the worst part of it to me was a couple of days later when in front of his own locker, he like doubled down on it and said like, why are people because that's losing quarterback. Like you answer all the questions. It's the idea that you had time to think about it. Anybody can miss a shot. Anybody can react poorly in a split second, but when you have time to catch your breath and think about something, and then you do something which can be viewed as arrogant or obtuse or shut off from reality or just flat out stupid. Like that's when you're like, okay, there's something more here. Ben Affleck's character in, um, gone girl. Did you guys see gone girl? Gone girl will scare the hell. Gone girl is the 21st century edition of, um, Oh man, there was a movie in the '80s, uh, where it, uh, where a guy has an affair. Michael Douglas has an affair, and the chick that he, the side chick, goes psycho. Fatal Attraction? No, not Fatal Attraction. Not Fatal Attraction. Fatal Attraction is. Uh, there's another one that's that's before that. Yeah, there's another one that's b- before that. Scare the hell out of any dude. Gone Girl will scare the hell out of you. It just will. I don't want, like, I know it's been, but Ben Affleck plays this guy, Nick Dunn. I've heard the books better, but seriously, it's over in two and a half hours if you watch the movie. So, uh, Nick's wife goes missing, and then they have him take a picture in front of her picture. And uh, he, for one split second, kind of smirks and smiles at the camera. And that's the picture that gets broadcast on all the news talk shows, right? It's like... I'm not saying you can't smile, that you can't live a life, but it just looks really, really, really bad. It's how we think. It's just how we think. But my takeaways are this. This is why Oklahoma City traded him away. Like, if you want to look back historically, it's fair to say that Sam Presti made an awful trade in terms of having an MVP candidate in James Harden, who probably should have won at least two years ago, should have won the MVP. Probably this year could have and should have won the MVP this year. But to trade him away, when you had three young burgeoning superstars and the trade they made wasn't good enough and they held on to uh, Serge Ibaka and and forever had Kendrick Perkins, Like those guys, if you had those three, you could kind of figure it out. But if you remember back, he really struggled against Miami, and he, when they didn't foul him, he was just a guy, and he seemed to shut it down. Like, that's who James Harden has been. And they got really upset because when they were in Miami, even after losses, James Harden kept going out because that's what James Harden does. He likes to go out. You can go out uh, you can go out in the regular season. You can't go out and play out like Michael Jordan would go out and play us. Michael Jordan come in and drop 55 against the Knicks after playing 18, 36 holes of golf. Like you can do it. But you better play really well. And I'm not one of these guys that's like, uh, remember in high school when you lose a game, your high school coach wouldn't let you talk on the bus ride home. Like, come on, man. Are you serious? Like, here's the difference between talking on the bus ride home and going out after getting blasted by 39 by the Spurs at home who don't have Kawhi and don't have Tony Parker. I don't know if the Monstar stole his power. I don't know if he was concussed because he did get banged around in the previous game. I don't know if he was pouting uh, because of something somebody said to him. I've had a great teammate do that where a coach yelled at him and he shut down. I don't know if he was trying to prove a point and prove his value. Much Much like um, Kobe Bryant did against the Phoenix Suns. Remember when Kobe Bryant refused to shoot the ball against against the Phoenix Suns? All right, fine. Win without me. I don't know, but I can venture a couple of guesses. And I would say that there is some precedent for it. Here's Mike D'Antoni. You lose quite, Leonard. I don't know if that psychologically. Our juices went down a little bit. But, uh, you know, you got Aldridge and Casole. You got two all-stars out there still. So it's...
0: You know, it was a battle, and uh, obviously the fifth game hurt us um, by not winning that one, put us where it was. But, you know, I don't have any reasons for why it happens other than, you know, like I said, I just, I'm just i proud of them. We'll look at it. We'll try to figure
2: it out and, and try to get better. Here's the general manager of the Houston Rockets. Um, This was earlier today. This was earlier today. Daryl, Moore, Daryl Morey said this in regards to whether or not James Harden is to blame.
0: To me, it's a joke to get on him because, you know, we're not where we are. You know, game five, there people are down on him at the end of the game. Well, it's not even, we're down by 10 without James. You know, yesterday, you know, the the guy's hardest on James is James. I mean, you know, Coach and I saw him briefly after and we're going to, you know, we wanted to give him some space and we're going to meet with him longer shortly. but. Can imagine given all this blood, sweat, and
1: tears he puts in, you know. Right now, everyone's disappointed, but he's
2: he's number one. Look, you can you, I I understand what Daryl Morey's trying to say. Like we wouldn't be here without James. You're right, which only makes it more important that James Harden show up, show some sort of effort. Like, and sometimes teams collectively don't have it. And I thought Game Five was devastating. They led the whole way. Until the end of the game, and that was Kawhi Leonard wasn't playing with a sprained ankle when the Spurs came from behind and stole the game, right? Like, that, but, I don't know, the rest of us are like, that would make me pissed and want to play them in a game seven, wouldn't it? They collectively laid an egg, but their best player didn't seem to have any facial effect. Like, he might take the whole weight in himself, he may be putting too much pressure on himself, but like, dude, go down trying to make plays, So you can't say we wouldn't be here without James Harden and then not levy a ton of the blame for a complete and utter collapse in your own home floor without it being the fault of James Harden. You're right and you're wrong at the same time. It's it was stunning. Like the more I watched it, I was like, is this a does Houston have a game tomorrow night in Milwaukee? It's like they don't care. It's like, oh, it's, it felt like an AAU game. We're like, ah, we're down. We're going to play tomorrow in the Ox gym. We'll work our way back to the winner's bracket. Like, no, dude, your season is over. And this one's a hard one to shake. And if you don't think it's a hard one to shake, think of how good LeBron James has been. And think of how many people, myself included, still can't put him in that Jordan category because of the Dallas Mavericks series. But that's a stunner. That's a wow. That's incredible. All right, we're going to catch up with Jason Whitlock. Jason Whitlock? No, Jason Whitlock's next hour? Jason Whitlock's next hour. All right. Um, Jason Whitlock's going to join us next hour. Mike Williams is supposed to join us. Newest wide receiver for the San Diego Chargers is supposed to join us at some point during the show. Okay. Take a couple of your calls upcoming next. Maybe you have a theory as to what happened. Was it the Monstars? They steal his power? Was he concussed? Was he mad at his coach? Was he mad at somebody else? Did he just not care? Did he just, was it, was he frustrated that he wasn't getting calls? Like, what the hell just happened? And, um, has Colin Kaepernick had teams contact him? Find out next. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for, and on average, save over 3000 off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car-buying experience. All right. Uh, calls continue to come in. 877-996-6369. That's 877-99 on Fox. If you can figure out what they'll happen to James Harden, I'd, I'd love to. I, I, I do have some thoughts on Greg Popovich I want to share with you next hour. Jason Whitlock will join us next hour as well. Um, so we'll, um, uh, it's in the final, Jim Jackson's final hour of the show, final hour of the show. I missed Jim Jackson at a cigar bar. I was, we were ships passing in the night. I had a dinner and then I was supposed to meet him at a different dinner, but the guys I had a different dinner with, uh, they met him in a cigar bar that he hangs at. And by the time I got to that second dinner, Jim Jackson wasn't around, but I was also because I was watching, we were, my first dinner, we were watching the game. And we're all just, i was actually me and Cowherd are watching the game. We're like, can you believe this? And that's when Colin, he said earlier on the Colin Cowherd show, like, I thought he, he, he thought I quit. Which, I do think that there was, there was a, port, a point there where he quit. But it was just the the whole first quarter was, we're sitting there having um, Arnold Palmer's. And we're like, dude, he, why isn't he shooting? Why is he being so passive? And I, and like, look, things can snowball, right? You can you can go into a game thinking, I got to get everybody involved. I got to get everybody's shots. I, you know, I, I don't want to force it. And so you get to the end of the first quarter, like, okay, well, I haven't taken a field goal. Like, all right, I don't want to force it. I don't want to force it, but I need to take some shots. And then he, he wasn't getting the calls he normally get got, and they threw some length at him, at him. They made some adjustments the way they were guarding him. And then there was nothing there. Yes, Ramos.
1: Do you think that Manu Ginobili block at the end of the last game had a little bit of a psychological effect on him?
2: No. I don't... Th- I'd, I'd like to think no. I, I No. Like, dude, James, shoot or shoot, right? Shoot or shoot. Shoot or shoot. Yeah, right.
0: Have you ever had... Like, have you ever... At the end of a game, being someone who played overseas in college basketball, at the end of a game, have you ever looked back at the game and gone, What was I doing out yeah, there? Yeah, no, yeah. Like, like, my think- last
2: college game, I, I, we lost to Florida. I didn't make a shot. I just felt out of it. Like it was just completely out of rhythm, out of sorts. Like I get it, but I just, I guess I hold James Harden to a different standard. And like I don't think, like the whole idea, like, well, Kobe would have shot 25. Like, yeah, but well, then he would have been awful right like okay but there's but there's a different there's there's a happy medium between 11 shots 2 of 11 and John Stark's 2 of you know what 1 of 17 or 2 of 17 or whatever and Kobe Bryant like there's a there's a happy medium there now look there is a, a part to this which doesn't get discussed enough so do you guys understand the when we say like it's analytics like do you understand what how they what they're looking for like here's basically what analytics tell you right okay? Analytics tell you that the best shot in basketball is a layup, right? Um, and then the 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 shot that creates the most points per possession is a three-point shot, most notably a three-point shot in the corner because it's a little bit closer than the other three-point shots. And then, you know, a three-point shot off a pass, you're more likely to make it as opposed to a three-point shot off the dribble. So if you can dribble in there and get it to a layup, great. If not, kick it out, shoot a three. If not, dribble in to try and get a layup. If not, kick it out, shoot a three. Like, that's kind of the idea and one of the the, the two shots that have gone by the wayside because analytics tell you analytics tell you that they're bad shots are mid-range jumpers right because they're harder than layups but they're worth fewer points than three-point shots and usually they're off the dribble which makes them lower percentage and post-up shots like a post-up shot great points per possession is like one is a great over-under, right? And a post-up shot, posting up, is like .77 points per possession. In other words, it's an inefficient shot. That's why the Houston Rockets don't post anybody up. Now, part of it is personnel, and they didn't have Nene, who is a good post-scorer, but they believe in layups or dunks or three-point shots and nothing in between. But, see, James Harden also wasn't getting the calls, the little nickel-dime calls. San Antonio was doing a good job of putting their hands up and not fouling him, but he also wasn't getting some of the leap in, lean in. And when you can't, you don't always get a foul for your best player, but it also, the defense softens up when they get into the bonus, when they get into foul trouble. They have to get into their bench more. I mean, the fact is that while it's inefficient to post somebody up it does it can create more fouls it can create a defensiveness within the defense and oh yeah by the way when things are going really bad like a, a, a team for our, any other team would have gone, like hey let's just post up james harden and have him find a way to get fouled and maybe he throws a and gets an and one and shooters will tell you you see the ball going in a couple times and you feel better about yourself get to the free throw line get two free throws knock two down now, all of a sudden, those same three-point shots, you, you, I mean, because if you're out there for 45 minutes and you have only your two of 11, you haven't seen the ball go through the basket with the exception of warm-ups. So, look, there was a coaching mismatch there, but there, and there was the mismatch of James Harden mentally being out of it and him being the most important. The whole team is built around him being in command and control, but it's also really damning towards analytics. And even though the stats would tell you it's a bad idea to post up, if you watch the game, the San Antonio Spurs, anytime Houston went to a smaller lineup, they went and posted them up. And while statistically, for the life of the season, they may be inefficient for that particular game, it slowed the game. It made Houston change the way they were playing defensively. It allowed uh, Lamarcus Aldrich to feel more comfortable, Pau Gasol to feel more comfortable. And it was like body blows, body blows. At the Houston Rocket at at the Houston Rockets defense and frankly at their offense. Now, we talked a lot about Colin Kaepernick yesterday, and this continues to be a national topic that he hasn't signed. Blaine Gabbert has signed, and it's such a stupid comparison. It really is. Right, Blaine Gabbert's actually much younger, and they were on the same team. And Blaine Gabbert had actually beaten him out going back two years ago and was the starting quarterback. And Blaine Gabbert wasn't good, but it wasn't like he was any worse. Or any, I mean, he wasn't noticeably worse. He might have actually been better in many ways than Colin Kaepernick. But Gabbard also signed for a league minimum of 900 grand. And he basically signed on to be a backup. So, one advisor close to him, close to uh, Colin Kaepernick, said at least three teams have reached out to him. So, this idea that Colin Kaepernick hasn't been offered a deal means kind of like we said yesterday. I do believe that the protests are are a problem. I do. And just so you're aware, like I kind of think anybody who's protesting any sort of injustice, as a have you noticed, no other starting quarterbacks are doing it. Like that's it's a it's different when you're that position of leadership. Your investment in the team has to be first and foremost, regardless of whether or not you're invested. And like if you take what Colin Kaepernick says, as look, he's just invested in the greater good. That's fine still a football player. Still a football player. You still have to perform your duties. But I pointed out yesterday that, like, look, the Kaepernick you think of, that's three years ago, at least. He had a good year and a half, a very good year and a half in the league. He's had shoulder, thumb, and knee surgery. And he's seen as tough to get along with. He's not seen as a leader. And teams have called, and nobody's pursued. What's What does that mean? That means that the ask has to be too high whether he wants to, a chance to start or whether he wants borderline starter money. Because if somebody picks up the phone and calls and says, look, I know Cap might have a bad rep. I know that he's a guy who uh, might not fit into our system, but that what's his level of interest? Like, I'm sure the demands are too high financially. So this idea that he is blackballed, like you can also blackball yourself and you could end up chasing the market. I told you guys what chasing the market is, right? Chase the markets like in real estate, for example. When it happens sometimes in contracts with professional athletes where you think your market is like you're going to sell your house and you look around on Zillow or on realtor.com or truly or whatever. And you're like, you know what? I think my house is worth $600,000 because I put this into the bathroom and this into the kitchen and I put in the stereo system. We put in a pool. And yeah, I bought it for four a couple years ago, but I put in a hundred and it's gone up whatever percent. And if you compare it to my neighbor's house, it just sold for 550. Mine's nicer. I should list it for 600. But then you overlist it. And houses around you start selling for 450, 500. People come in, they're like, well, why? Why is this 600 when I can get a same house down the street, slightly inferior for 100, 150 grand less? Like, well, it's nicer. And so then what happens is your, uh, your contract expires with that realtor. You, know, you go 90 days and you go to another one because you blame the realtor. And then you lower the pl- price just a little bit. Like, all right, now we'll do 550 It's still overpriced. And by the time you get around to late in the summer when all the houses have already sold and your house has been on the market for 150 days, now somebody walks in and you got it priced appropriately at $500,000. You're not making any money on the house. And they get ready to make an offer in the house and like, wait, why has this house been on the market for 200 days and nobody's made an offer? And even though there's nothing wrong with it, because you've chased the market down, because you initially overpriced it, you're going to end up taking way less than you want to because you initially overpriced it. That's what's going on with Kaepernick. Likely wanted borderline starter, high quality backup money. The rest of the league saw him as a guy who's a couple million dollars a year at best and he's a hard fit both socially. He's a hard fit in your locker room. He's a hard fit X and O wise because kind of runs around a lot. It's not a true accurate passer. Struggles to change the, the angle. He's not the quarterback he used to be. And now he's chasing the market down, turning down, even talking to teams. Stug out, show Fox sports radio. Um, I hate that some that there's one thing that generally has to happen for you to be considered great. And it's one of the most annoying things that I've been guilty of it. Everybody who ever covered or talked about sports has been guilty of it. And Greg Popovich proved it to be a complete fallacy last night. We do some dumb things in sports radio and sports TV, right? And one of the things is we always talk about, like the only way you validate doing something great is if you ultimately win a championship. And that's dumb. It's it's the dumbest thing we do as sports pundits, that the only way to validate greatness is to win a championship. Now, look, Greg Popovich's greatness as a coach has been validated because he's won championships. I'm not trying to invalidate it. But what he did last night, in many ways, should validate that he's a great coach, even more so than the championships. Like, like I, I played for Eddie Sutton at Oklahoma State. Okay, Eddie Sutton took Arkansas to the Final Four. He took Oklahoma State to the Final Four. He won over eight hundred games. He's the only coach in college basketball history to win eight hundred Division One games and not be in the Basketball Hall of Fame. And, and I would, I would venture to guess that as a four-time finalist, one he'll eventually get in. But two, the logical reason, it, like Kaepernick, like what's the reason he's not? People haven't put him in. Part would be the alcoholism. You know he had an issue at Kentucky with the NCAA the alcoholism and he didn't win a national championship. Like those are three. Now look like the idea that he's the first coach to ever break any rules at Kentucky. And I could, I could take the, I could defend my coach's honor and say he wasn't named in uh, any of the, the NCAA findings, but like, look, he wasn't the first and he ensures that wasn't the last coach at Kentucky That knew some things that were going on that shouldn't have been going on. And oh yeah, by the way, there are several coaches. Jerry Tarkanian's in the Hall of Fame. Jerry Tarkanian had no regard at all for NCAA rules. It wasn't wasn't that he was cheating. Like he did not care for the rules. Other coaches got caught cheating or got caught breaking the rules. And I do think there's a difference between the two. And they're in. There's plenty of other coaches that have won a national championship that are in. Uh, and I'm sure there's another coach or two that had a problem with alcohol, maybe a problem with drugs, maybe not as publicly so. But my point would be, like, when he took over at Arkansas, I think they went to one NCAA tournament in 25 years, and he told the freshmen, hey, if you stick with me, by the time you finish here, we're going to go to a Final Four. Four years later, they're in the Final Four. Like, Arkansas was a dormant program, took him to a Final Four. When he got to Oklahoma State, they only been to one tournament in 25 years, went to two Final Four. 14 NCAA tournaments, I think, in 17 years. years—like r- Remarkable. And so getting a pro- programs like Arkansas and Oklahoma State off the beaten path to those heights, getting just to a Final Four is akin to winning a national championship at Kentucky or winning a national championship at Duke or Carolina. But there's this sense that you can't do anything great unless you win a title. Right? Like um, Chris Carpenter. That's the former pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals, and you guys will have to help me with the year. Um, but it was the year in, I believe, in which was the year they won the World Series. Chris Carpenter went against uh, Doc Halliday in Philadelphia, Game Five of the NLDS. Ryan, if you could look up the box score, you're going to be blown away by that. Chris Carpenter is as good a big game pitcher as there has been in baseball in the past 15, 20 years. Like John Smoltz obviously uh, was a part of one World Series team and was a great starter and a great closer. Of course, I think he's as good a baseball analyst as we've ever had called the World Series, called it for Fox last year for the first time. Smoltz, like Smoltz's gift was not only good, but he was also good in the clutch and good as a starter, and good as a closer. Um. Carp was that kind of guy. And my point about game five of the NLDS was it got covered up because it was one, the DS too. It was on a Friday night and Friday sports stories always get kind of lost because they're Saturday and they're Sunday and sports talkies like talkers like me. We don't start till Monday and it's baseball and it was football season. All that other stuff kind of covered it up. I'm going to say he didn't give up a run to the Phillies on the road. I and and look, if you're a baseball fan, you remember this. They the Cardinals celebrated by tearing off his clothes. Remember, he had the he had his uniform on, they tore off his clothes on the dugout. They tore it, ripped his jersey into a million pieces, like to celebrate. And he outdueled Roy Halliday. It wasn't bad. It was like a one-nothing game, complete game. It was a masterpiece. And my point is like that's as good a pitching performance as I've seen. And you could say, well, it doesn't have the pressure of the World Series like. Okay, so there's not pressure of the NLDS on the road against the Philadelphia Phillies that play in a ballpark in which there's a jet stream to left and right center? Like, that's stupid. The Phillies were really good then. They had a power hitting lineup. They had a great pitcher. Your offense provides you very little support and you went in with your team's backs against the wall and you pitched an absolute gem. Why? You know, Clayton Kershaw had one of those last year where team's backs against the wall and he went in and grabbed the ball. Like, you can be bad at times under pressure, but that doesn't mean you're a choker and you can show what you can do under pressure and show that you don't you don't show. But like Popovich and his game planning, Popovich and using DeJounte Murray, who hadn't played in the last game as a rookie, and he plays him and he plays well, changing how they're playing offensively, not going away, but going back to LaMarcus Aldridge. Like, you can show your greatness as a coach without having won a championship. I know he's won it, so it's hard for it. Like, I know he's great. He won a championship, Doug. Yes, but of all those, like, his first championship, he had David Robinson and Tim Duncan and Sean Elliott. Like, a lot of people might have been able to win a championship with that. Not a lot of people could do what he did last night. And frankly, in Game 5. Sometimes the picture of greatness doesn't actually culminate in a ring. LeBron James and his performances, his perform- when they lost to the Spurs, remember he had the cramps? Like, there was talk of making him the MVP. Or simply getting the Cavs to a Game 6 two years ago against the Warriors. Like, that was as impressive as, in many ways, as what he did last year. He didn't hit the game big shot last year. Kyrie Irving did. But we we have this thing in our heads to which, unless it culminates in a championship, it's not great. It's just really good. When anybody who knows anything about sports would tell you, and especially if you know anything about basketball, tell you, you don't have your best player, you don't have your point guard, against a really good, really talented team that plays a polar opposite style of the one in which you want to play. It's not just winning a game at home to go on the road and beat them by thirty nine points to take the heart of a star player to where it feels like everybody watched, like, dude, he just quit in front of us. He said no moss. He waved. He threw the towel in. That's great. And the Spurs are going to lose to the Warriors. Doesn't diminish the greatness of the accomplishment of the last two games. And last night, if anything, validates the greatness of Popovich, regardless of the championship rings that he already has, or he still may earn. All right, we have a new game that we found in our sack. Uh, plus, Mike Williams is going to join us top of the hour. Jason Whitlock will join us next hour as well. We've got a fully packed show. Our new game is called Guess Who? I have no idea what it. I, I, I think I know what it is. Maybe it's Guess What? Guess Who? You'll find out what it is next. Happy Friday to you. Doug Gottlieb show, Fox Sports Radio. Do kind of wish I could play the guitar. Kind of, I mean, right? Kind of like, look, I got a good gig. I'm not going to sit there and go like, and I have some talents. Um, but do kind of wish I could play guitar, sing. My son really wants to be a singer. He just can't. Uh, Let's reach into my sack, shall we?
1: Let's reach into Godley's sack. (laughs) Mike Williams
2: going to join us, newest member of the San Diego Chargers at the top of the hour. Jason Whitlock next hour as well. Dan Byer. There's a new game in the sack called Guess Who. What? How, how does it work?
1: Well, let's uh, let's see if I pick Guess Who, and it yeah, it is Guess, guess Who. Uh, hey, it is Guess Who. Okay. How about that? Um, I am going to give you a question, and you have to figure out maybe a scenario, a situation. You have to figure out who it happened to. Okay, okay. simple as that. Sure. We'll start out. Uh, we'll start out. How about in the uh, NFL? Okay. What NFL All Pro and veteran was mistaken as a coach by one of his new rookie teammates? So, you know, rookies are reporting to camp, players are around. But what current player had a rookie think he was actually one of his coaches? It's got to be like
2: a lineman, right? Uh,
1: You're getting warmer, I'll tell you that much.
2: uh, I don't know. Um, I I have to guess a lineman. Um,
1: You are getting very warm. I, I, oh, I, there's some sort of hot reference here. Uh, no, I just did it, it is a lineman, it is a, it is a lineman. Hmm. I don't know if you're red hot, you may be brown hot.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's kind of what I thought it was, right? Um, it's uh, what's my man's name for the Cleveland Browns? Joe it's Thomas, Joe Thomas, yes.
1: Joe. yeah, Joe Thomas, first round, of t- first round, tenant David Njoku was at a team event this week, and Thomas tweeted out that it was an honor to be with the Browns' rookies. And the funniest moment was when Njoku asked Joe Thomas if he was his coach. They're going to be in the huddle together on Sundays, but uh, David Njoku thought that Joe Thomas was a coach. Okay. How about what uh, what Power 5 school will become the first to use technology inside their helmets to analyze brain trauma? Uh,
2: I'm going to go with Texas. Texas, they got a bunch of money. Really? I got it?
1: Uh, It it is Texas. I thought maybe it would go like Stanford, Northwestern. No, no, Texas
2: Texas just like swimming in money.
1: That is correct. This, uh, according to uh, the SB Nation, University of Texas releasing a video describing the school's testing program with equipment maker... Rydell, using technical innovations inside the helmet, they'll be able, if a hit is hard enough, um, they'll be able to have data on the sidelines to tell you actually how hard that hit was to the helmet.
2: If you've seen their defense the last five years, not a lot of data that's been passed down.
1: (laughs) What possible baseball Hall of Famer called one of his former managers arrogant, clueless, and, quote, aggravating as hell? Uh, David Ortiz. uh, Who is David Ortiz?
2: Uh, Talking about Bobby... Valentine. That is yeah. correct.
1: All in Poppy, My Story, the book that's coming out. Ortiz writes that the drama began almost immediately in spring training. Bobby Valentine had them doing drills that Valentine would put his teams in Japan uh, through. Something that the Red Sox had never done before. So uh, things did not start well or end well with Bobby Valentine in Boston. Right, we got time for one more. What college basketball coach agrees with Kevin Durant that top NBA prospects should skip the combine?
2: John Calipari.
1: That yeah. is correct. <laughs> I forgot that Draymond tells me if it's correct. Uh Calipari saying for the guys, if you think there's anything that would hurt you, don't come. This is what the agents have been saying in the NFL as well. If if why have a pro day, a private workout, a combine and all that all it can do is hurt you. Yeah.
2: I can help you too. That's it that's like a it's it's a showcase. And if you want to you know, it can it can help. It's going to help some of these guys as well. Uh, Hamadou Diallo who is uh came to Kentucky at the that's that's by the way what's in my sack? Mm-hmm. Uh, Hamadou Diallo got came to Kentucky <laughs> at the middle of the season, probably going to declare for the draft, even though he never played a day for Kentucky because he went to the Combine and because he's a freak show athletically and they're going to draft him on upside, length, and potential. Mike Williams wasn't drafted on upside, length, and potential. It was because he's a big play, big ball, wide receiver. We'll ask him if he's met any of Philip Rivers' kids yet. and Can he name them all? Next on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Doug Aldam Show, Fox Sports Radio, coming to you live and direct from Los Angeles, California. We got a jam-packed hour for you. Jason Whitlock's going to join us upcoming in fifteen minutes. We'll talk to him about his get uh, his thoughts on Colin Kaepernick, why Cap's not in the league. Wait to hear what Clay Travis said about uh, Mike D'Antoni and what happened last night in Houston. Jim Jackson, former NBA veteran the great players in the history of the state of Ohio, high school, college, basketball, Fox Sports 1, NBA and college. Analysts, as well as you can hear my on Fox Sports Radio. Join us next hour on the show. Uh, Mike Williams is going to join us momentarily. Uh, he's the newest member of the San Diego Chargers. And, of course, uh, if you saw him play at Clemson, the last game you saw him play, he was spectacular in the national championship game. But to those of you who remember, like you go back a couple years ago, And he actually broke his neck first game of the season, the 2015 season. They're playing Wofford. He had a touchdown catch, season opener, gets shoved into the goalpost stanchion, right? And he laid down there motionless. And, like, look, if, if you are a football fan, you knew like Mike Williams was a stud, right? You don't want to see anybody laying down there. And then when you heard it was Mike Williams laying down there motionless, and you're like, and you hear broken neck, broken vertebra, like you don't know what's going on. To go from that in 15 to winning a national championship uh, in January of 17, and now in May of 17, being a first-round draft pick, a member of the... I, I thought it's a, it's a pretty awesome turnaround. Let's uh, welcome in Mike Williams of the San Diego Chargers. He joins us on... I, I, sorry, Los Angeles Chargers. I Even I... Even I screwed that thing up. Mike, how are you?
3: I'm good. How you doing? Good,
2: man. Okay, so for, and I I'm like, I don't want to bring back terrible memories, but it's it's part of the story. Uh, what do you remember about that day in Death Valley when you caught the touchdown pass and got shoved into the goal post and hurt yourself?
3: I remember everything about it. You know, uh, I felt like that was a moment in my life where uh, a lot of things changed. You know, I me getting that injury, you know, I never took anything for granted. After that injury, you know, uh, the game could have been taken from me th- at that moment. So I mean, every chance I get when I come on the field, you know, I give it my all and just love to be out here with my teammates and having fun.
2: So there was never a moment to which you know you go to the hospital, you got a you got a fracture in your neck, and you thought like, maybe I did. I can't play football any- again. <laughs>
3: No, sir. That was that was never a problem. You know, uh, the doctors told me that I was be able to play again. So I mean, I was just trusting the doctor and just was believing in what what he was telling me. You know, I, I trusted him that he was going to give me the the right um idea of what he thought I should do. And he just every time I met with him, he said hey, you'll be able to play football again. So I mean, I was one hundred percent um sure that I was be able to play again.
2: Such a it's you know because of how the season ended. Everyone will say that last year was a storybook ending or a storybook season for the Clemson Tigers. But it wasn't really that way. Like you guys, you almost lost to NC State. You did lose to Pittsburgh. There were some other games in which you didn't play great. You let other teams kind of hang around. What was the actual, forget the championship. We all saw you guys in the semifinals and the championship in that story. What was the actual season like for you?
3: I mean, it was a great season. You know, every season go have its ups and downs. You know, you're going you're gonna to face some adversity. You know, we faced some adversity. You know, we had a close game against NC State, like you said. Lost the pit game. You know, losing when we lost the pit game, you know, the seniors just brought the team together and said we, we didn't want to uh, have that feeling again. You know, uh, finished with the same record we had last year. We just won our last game. You know, our goal was to win our last game, and we did that. We won um, was National champ. so. It was a pretty good season for us, and we all uh, had a great time celebrating it. All right, I
2: want to play for you something that Dabo Sweeney said after the national championship game in regard to a colleague of ours, Colin Coward. Take a listen.
3: The guy
1: that called us a fraud, ask Alabama for a fraud. Was his name Colin Coward? Ask him. I don't, never met him. Don't know him. Ask him if if we're Alabama for a fraud. Ask Ohio State if we're a fraud. Ask Oklahoma if we're a fraud. The only fraud is that guy because he he didn't do his homework. I hope y'all print that.
2: All right, so it it does lend. Uh, lend us to believe that, at least Dabo does. What about you? Did you guys watch all the shows? Did you guys listen to all the conversation about your team, about your team story, um, and whether or not you belonged in the college football playoff before you actually got in?
3: No, sir. We didn't watch any of that. I mean, Coach Sweeney, we don't even use social media or any of that during the season just because of guys like that. You know, Coach Sweeney wanted to focus on um, only the things that we can control. We can't control uh, how that dude feels. I mean, he said we was a fraud. I mean, we knew we was a great team. You know, we just wanted to go out there and show everybody else that. And we just wanted to go out there and beat Alabama because we felt like they was the best thing. We needed to beat those guys just to prove a point.
2: When did you know the Chargers were going to pick you?
3: Uh, when I got that phone call. <laughs> you had no
2: – you had – I mean, did you have a sense? Did you –
3: I mean, um, a scout came from the Chargers and uh, worked me out. You know, he called me after everyone watched the film um, that he recorded in the workout. He said everyone was amazed at how I was moving and that I had great ball skills. So, I mean, I heard great things from him. But, I mean, I also heard some great things for teams who was picking before before, um, the Chargers. So, I mean... I was just waiting on my phone to ring. They didn't want to get too too big on who I thought was going to draft me because if I didn't get that by that ten, you know, it would have been a tough. So I mean, I was just sitting there just waiting on my phone to ring, you know, with my family.
2: What what's that feeling like when you realize that, you know, from humble beginnings and from that neck injury, you're you've now made it. You're a you're a pro. You're a first round draft pick. What, what's that feeling like?
3: Oh, it's a great feeling. I mean, everything I dreamed of, worked so hard for since I was a kid, you know, it's just a great feeling, you know, just to come out here and just enjoy the weather, you know, enjoy the city, enjoy being out here with the guys, having fun, you know, it's just everything I dreamed of. I'm just enjoying it and have fun with it.
2: Um, How many brothers and sisters do you have?
3: I have a younger brother, older sister.
2: Okay, so you come from, like, you know, like, look, that's five people in your family, like, that's a good kind of size family unit um are you aware of how many kids your quarterback has
3: uh wait i think you have like eight kids yeah he has
2: eight kids do you know any of their names
3: uh i met i met two of them at uh fan day but i can't um uh, remember the names though so. <laughs> all
2: right, there's gunner there's sarah there's grace rebecca Hallie, caroline and peter
3: so you got to you got i know for sure i know for sure i met gunner
2: How Gunner's got to be—I mean, they got to be spaced out, right? Yeah. Yeah,
3: and I met one of uh, the—I think the daughter. Yeah. Sarah. She was older than Gunner. Yeah. Yeah. Sarah. Yeah. I met those two. Yeah. So pretty cool.
2: Yeah. No, it's it's, it's—I mean, like—and look, he's from the South. Like, he drives a pickup truck. Like, you guys, you guys have fit in. You guys fit in, fit in good. Um, when you were at Clemson, your last year, did you live on or off campus?
3: I live off campus.
2: Okay, so what was your? How many? Would you live by yourself? You live with a teammate? What'd you do?
3: No, I live with, it was me and three of my teammates. All right,
2: so four-bedroom place?
3: Yes, sir, four-bedroom.
2: How much was the rent? Uh,
3: 465, four sixty five dollars it. yeah, four sixty five. dollars
2: 65 a, p- a piece or total? Wait, a, a piece or total?
3: A piece, a piece, a piece. Okay. <laughs>
2: um, have you looked yet at what it's going to cost to live in Los Angeles? Or in, in Orange County when oh, you guys yeah, are training.
3: Yeah, way more than that. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, wow, I'm gonna
2: uh, how much am I getting my contract? Awesome. Wait, wait, how much does it cost to us yeah. to, to live here? Yeah,
3: it's it's way more than that. I know that for sure.
2: Um, all you guys are are signed was there any like look, last year Joey Bosa held out, got kinda ugly, he end up not being ready to play to start the season. Was was there anything said in regards to, hey, guys, you need to get this thing signed kind of quickly and get it done so we don't have another Joey Bosa situation?
3: Oh, no, sir. I mean, my agent told me he was going to handle that and uh, got a great deal. So, I mean, I was pretty cool with it. So I just wanted to get that done so I could come out here and learn and come out here with the guys and just – have fun with those guys. You know, just get out here
2: and have fun. Uh, okay, well, listen, it's only a couple couple days in, but soon Phillip Rivers will be screaming at you like he screams at everybody, but he only yells at the people he cares about, right?
3: <laughs> yes, sir. That's part of the game. <laughs> hey, man,
2: welcome to Los Angeles. Congratulations on making it, and can't wait to see you with a lightning bolt on the side of your helmet. Thanks for joining us on, on Fox Sports Radio.
3: I appreciate
2: it. Uh, that's Mike Williams, stud, deep, deep, deep ball threat. He averaged over 15 yards a catch. But think about that, though, when you... Like, you know, like he said, like, that was the moment in his life where like, he hit adversity. You have a fracture in your neck. And he said, well, the doctor said I'll be fine. So I decided, like, I'm not going to take any day for granted. Now he's going to be catching footballs from Phillip Rivers, getting yelled at. I say that because I'm actually a Charger fan. Like, Phillip Rivers yelled, he yells at everybody. Yeah, right.
0: Having uh, an injury like that and then going back to play a physical sport like football. Now clearly it doesn't seem like it affected him at all. He had an incredible junior or a senior year yep. going on winning the national championship. Did you ever have an injury like no, a rolled ankle hurt. or something? No, really? No, I never got oh man. Cuz I got to imagine like that has to be something that sticks in the back of your mind after that, right? Like
2: You think like but... a
0: broken fractured neck. Yeah, like, it's it's crazy.
2: Yeah. Yeah, like I broke my neck.
0: <laughs> what, what happened after that? Oh, <laughs> yeah. I just went back and played, played, more played
2: football. football. <laughs> I took a little time. I took the season off, and I went back and played football. And, um, you know, I was just second-team All-American. I had 98 catches and 1,300 yards and 11 touchdowns, won a national championship, uh, played 706 snaps, you know. Uh, that's all. That that was actually the next day. That was, what, yeah, drafted, drafted in the first round. Now I'm in Los Angeles playing for the Chargers. That's about it. He did say 465. I thought that was going to be all in for all four dudes. That's probably a nice place though, right? If it's like four bedroom place, my rent was seven. Our rent was like 785. There's four of us. We split it. It was a dump though. We call it the palace. It was, it was palace with the, with the quotations. That was my junior year, my senior year. We, I, we, my buddy and I, we got a a teammate, a walk-on teammate of mine, Rodney Suter and I, we got a, a two bedroom apartment that was brand new, right above the sushi house. (laughs)
1: <laughs> free Su-
2: sushi. Well, sushi in Stillwater, Oklahoma. I wouldn't recommend it for everybody, but for us, it was great. And yeah, they would knock on the door. Would, oh, you, li- you want extra sushi? They were very nice. Owners are from Japan. Like, I just can't imagine the culture shock of being from Japan and living in Stillwater, America. But it was cool. Yeah, we got sushi. Like, I was kind of sushied out at the end of are Like, no. Like, you know, you, you say, like, I would never turn down free sushi. There was actually a, a period of time there where I would turn down free sushi. I thought crappie sushi was weird, though. Anyway, got to be from the South to understand crappie sushi. That's pretty good, though, that he knew he had eight kids. We got to have Philip Rivers on to see if he can name all. There's no way that Philip Rivers, I'm sure he can name all, but that he doesn't yell their yell the wrong name at the wrong kid. There's not a parent alive that doesn't look at least once a year, probably once a month, look directly in the eye of a child who they clearly know their name because they picked out their name for a reason and call them by the wrong name if you have multiple kids. But that's a parenting one-on-one thing. My daughter's names are Harper and Grace. My son's name is Hayes and I can look right at Harper and go, Hayes, Grace, whatever your name is, why did I do that? And of course, my dad used to do the same thing. Colin Kaepernick is still on the market, still available. He is not, per Facebook, in a relationship with a team. How much of it has to do with the fact that he's been banged up, that he hasn't been that good, that he had headphones on around the facility? How much of it is that he was protesting the flag and calling cops murderers? We'll ask Jason Whitlock from Fox Sports next. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for and, on average, save over 3000 off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car-buying experience. Doug Gottlieb show rolls on Fox Sports Radio. All right, I just got word that he's going to hang out with us here for about 20 minutes. Um... I really enjoy being part of uh, his TV show. It's called Speak for Yourself. It's on Fox Sports 1. They're, they're dark today, uh, but most every weekday afternoon, every weekday afternoon at 5 o'clock Eastern Time, 2 o'clock Pacific Time, Jason Whitlock, Colin Cowherd, and usually some other guest debaters. but It's not necessarily a debate. They discuss all the topics of the day, and Jason Whitlock from Fox Sports joins us now on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Jay, how are you?
4: Very good. How are you? Good, man.
2: Can you figure out what the hell happened to James Harden last night?
4: No, I, I literally. What's your theory?
2: I had a bunch. Um, I had a bunch. Uh, I'll, I'll, can I go through the? You want me to go through the list?
4: No, I literally. I'm I'm fascinated. Okay. With what happened? Okay, so uh,
2: first theory was maybe he was concussed. Like I, I don't know. Like he just looked out of it. So was he concussed? He he did get banged around a little bit in game five. Concussed is a was was a. Again, these are hypotheses, not theories. Um, I also think that there was just he probably maybe came into the game with the thought, I'm going to get everybody involved. Didn't take a shot in the first quarter. And then like, do I sort of kind of force it? And then it just kind of snowballed out of it to where he was, he was really frustrated because he couldn't get any calls. Um, That was another one. Um, I also think there's the, uh, did he, did he just choke? Right. Did he just, the pressure of carrying a team an entire year, then just kind of became overwhelming to him. And then he, he acted the exact opposite of what you thought he would act. Um, I also think there's the kind of, this is who he was in Oklahoma city. He performed very poorly in the NBA finals. Uh, was he going out and he maybe just doesn't care that much and was disheartened by the game five loss and thought this is, you know, we're pedaling uphill. This isn't going to happen anyway. Or maybe he started. Mike D'Antoni started yelling at him. Somebody yelled at him and he kind of shut down on them. That's, that's the best I got, Jason. I got nothing else.
4: Didn't want to get swept by the Golden State Warriors, so bowed out early. I that's my best guess.
2: <laughs> didn't but want. I didn't think of that one. Didn't
4: want. To get that'll that'll there. leave a mark, though. That's going to leave a very nasty mark on James Harden. He's got some work to do to clean that up, image wise. I think
2: it makes it very, very unlikely for him any time in the near future, to like win a an MVP. Right? Even he probably should have won it two years ago. He could have won it this year as well. And I know it's a regular season award. I I understand that. But, like, it's hard to watch that and go like, yeah, that guy is the most valuable player in the league. Which, by the way, it actually might, if you actually took the word value, he's so good that when he's bad, the team is atrocious, right? It actually might help the argument. But I think it makes it nearly impossible anytime in the near future for him to win the MVP. Fair?
4: I'm going to go with my little favorite uh, Twitter line. Dwight Howard is cackling and rolling a blunt. He took all that heat uh, in Houston, and hell, maybe it was Harden's
3: Um,
2: Is it possible that last night, this was what I actually also thought was we have a tendency, whether it's on your show or on any of the other shows, any other any of the other yackers that are on TV, we have a tendency, even on radio, we only give credit when you win a championship, and I know that Pop has won championships. But they're not going to win a championship. They're not going to beat the Warriors. But what he was able to do in this series without Parker and then last night without Leonard, like that's, that's great coaching. That's greatness regardless of whether or not it ends up winning a championship. Doesn't that validate even more so in many ways than championship runs, just the ability to get those two wins?
4: I think the Game 5 victory did that and said that about Pop and just reminded us again, like, wow, the guy's great. Harden made such a mess, it's hard to take your eyes off of anything other than him. And I know LaMarcus Aldridge played a great game, and, you know, Pop does deserve some credit. But James Harden laid down, and I don't know if you can go beyond that story. Game five certainly to me was about Popovich and the culture he's built there and to be able to survive that overtime without Kawhi Leonard and Tony Parker not playing. And LaMarcus Aldridge wasn't any good in that game five, and they still figured out a way to win. That was about Pop's greatness. Last night was about James Harden just laying down like a dog.
2: Fair enough. Fair enough. That's a hard And that's a hard one for anybody to get over. And then he goes out afterwards. And, like, look, you are you on your way to Vegas uh, yet? No. You're not no. going to Vegas this weekend? No. No. First? <laughs> First. I'm not traveling this weekend we want to get together I I'd, I'd hang with you um I know you have other 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 things going on um but you're a guy you like to go out right you're single why not um
4: I, I, I don't go out not my thing okay I like to attend events I like to go to concerts okay but
2: but you like to, you're a man about town Jason would like join us from Fox Sports here on the Doug Gottlieb show um and I'm not like one of these guys that like when you played in college when you played football in high school, I don't know if your high school coach was. If you lose, nobody talks on the bus. Like I think that's excessive, right? But the idea that James Harden would go out clubbing last night after that embarrassing performance, I think is even worse than the performance itself. Like, dude, you got housed by thirty nine points at home, and then you are going to show your face at a club. Like, I, I can't get, I can't get down with that. Yeah, no, you know,
4: I think after last night, you, you got to sit home and have a think about what just happened, how important your career is. To go out and hit the clubs is just it, – it just says too much about the NBA that I don't like in terms of – it's like these guys don't take it seriously. It's like, hey, it, James Harden is basically saying, look, man, you know it was Golden State and Cleveland all year anyway, so I'm going to go get my vacation or my offseason started immediately uh, and hit the clubs and hit the golf course in the morning and be in Costa Rica early next week or wherever – Cancun, wherever the hell he's going.
2: Uh, all right, the, the other reason I wanted to have you on was this Colin Kaepernick stuff. I have my own thoughts and theories and opinions as to why he hasn't been picked up. I do think some of it is the political stuff. I don't think it's all of it. Why do you think Colin Kaepernick's still on the market?
4: Uh, Because his talent doesn't justify the publicity and media circus that accompanies his very limited talent. No one wants to answer questions about their backup or third-string quarterback and nor should they have to. And no one wants I mean, there's a variety of reasons. It's all percentages. Uh, it's all part of the same pie. But you don't want to invite a guy into your locker room at that position, who's particularly at that position, who's not all in the football because he clearly isn't. And, you know, you start out a football season, you start out an off season. We're all in on this, guys. And the only thing in this locker room that matters is football. It's hard to argue that comment with, you know, Kaepernick standing there with his afro trying to pull off a Nat X impersonation.
2: Yeah, it's, it's and it's it's weird. It's it's there's there's this pushback from people that think that's wrong. That's a wrong look for the NFL. That's a wrong look for society. Do you think it's wrong for and like you're a former football player as well as long, a long journalist? Do you think it's it, it's wrong for the NFL to not have a guy as a backup who is who creates this sort of social awareness?
4: Look, I think most people who have played athletics understand the culture and understand what football and, – and, look, all, all coaches at all levels want everybody all in. And so I think most people that understand the culture of sports get it. There's a lot of people in our business who don't remotely understand the culture of sports. There's a lot of people in our business that – are motivated by Twitter popularity, and they're just trying to build a following. And the more they cast Colin Kaepernick as a victim of racism, the more their Twitter following goes up, and their retweets and likes go up. It's just a game. It's a dishonest game, but and it's a game that you know the media has empowered. Uh, because you got so many executives that are clueless that can't look beyond someone's retweets and followings, and you know want to go with that little rigged-up game of that proves who's relevant and who has a voice and whatnot, and it's a joke. You know, I I try, I'm not trying to beat up on anybody, but I I think the false reality of Twitter and social media is being proven every day. And a big example was you know Bill Simmons, got very talented guy, five million Twitter followers couldn't get 200,000 people to watch his TV show. And they're fo- they're called followers. Where they don't follow very far. And, you know, so it, Twitter is a false reality that is driving so many people in the media. And so it's very hard to have an honest discussion because so many people are thinking about what comes out of their mouth and how does it land on social media rather than what comes out of my mouth. Is this truthful? Is it accurate? I'm looking at people that know better. I got in a big dispute with Mike Florio today. He's followed the NFL long enough. They're acting like, how come teams aren't calling Kaepernick? As if he doesn't have an agent whose job it is to call teams. And that's how, when you're not one of the great players seen as a starter, seen as a difference maker between Super Bowl and not made one of the Super Bowl, your agent has to get on the phone and work teams. Right.
2: And find you a find you a, fi, well find you a job. That's what by the way, that's what an agent for. That's what yes. an agent for. like like uh you know, you pick Aaron Rodgers doesn't need an agent. Like right. he doesn't need one. You need one when you're a backup who used to be a starter who three years ago you were one of the bright up and coming stars and you've had surgeries, you you've had a falling out with an organization with a couple of different coaches, then you had all the all the missteps last year and the and then and the politics like that's when you actually need an agent to pick up the phone and oh yeah by the way you have to find a way to get people who you were were in the locker room with you when you were good who believe in you be the rabbi in the room the problem is that Harbaugh would might be maybe the only guy and he's in college he's not in the pros so i i completely agree with you um,
3: Well, go ahead. This,
4: let's go a step further just on how dishonest and unrealistic the conversation is Kaepernick, as it become, as it relates to the conversation about race, he's radioactive right now. He he is at the forefront of the conversation about race in sports. There's a lot of coaches that justifiably and executives that don't want to be anywhere near that. They're like, I can't win there. Holy cow! So if you bring Kaepernick in and have a conversation with him. Can you trust him not to repeat it to his buddies in the media and the people in the media he's working constantly that he won't repeat it and something that you said won't be taken out of context and used to hang you with? So this guy needs an agent more than any athlete perhaps in the history of athletes because he needs someone that will go in and have these conversations with people, answer these questions with people, and and be someone that they can trust that won't go out and try to use whatever real conversation you have with them as a device to hang that person. Is. Look how insensitive or racist this person is, or this organization asked me this or that question. Again, the people chirping the loudest about, oh, how racist the NFL is, how unfairly Kaepernick's being treated, those are the very same people keeping this guy away from a job because coaches, black or white, the coach with the Jets, I can't think of his name <laughs> the Todd top Bowles. of my head. Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles. He don't want to be bothered with it neither, let alone a white coach.
2: Right. Like, look, and and, and I'll, I'll continue. I'll, I'll make your point for you. And we'll kind of I'll, – I'll I, I 100% agree with you, and I can help make your point for you. We'll get to that in one second. Jason Whitlock continues to join us. First, though, so quickly, what's trending? When things come out of left field, having a game plan matters. Farmers Insurance has over 89 years of experience helping people play through every stage of the game. We've seen almost everything, so we know how to cover almost anything. Visit Farmers.com. We are Farmers. Back with Jason Whitlock on the Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Um... So Jason, like here, here's your point. He, Jason was just talking about Todd Bowles, and like, look, Todd Bowles not only doesn't want that pressure, he already then his general manager, you know, drafted Christian Hackenberg, who nobody thinks can play. But the only way to hold on to your job is if he can play, right? They got Bryce Petty. Like, you already have two guys that most people don't think are good enough. A coach who's on the hot seat. A general manager is on the hot seat. The last thing you want to do is. Bring in a guy who as a backup is going to cause a stir, has some attention. And oh yeah, by the way, he's not a traditional quarterback. Like he's not he's not just plug and play. You can put him in any system, kinda has to have a system tailor made to him. He's not as good as he used to be. Plus, as you said, Jason, he's radioactive. Like there's more to it than just the radioactivity. It's a hard fit in many of these many of these uh many of these programs.
4: A hundred percent. Like I said, there's a pie and there's percentages to all of this. But I'm listening to people Brock Osweiler, he's on a team. And I'm like, well, hold on. Or Houston made that mistake on him. They spent all that money, and now he's with Cleveland or whatever. I'm like, well, hold on, man. If you cut Brock Osweiler, you're going to get slammed in Houston. Oh, you blew all that money on him. But no one's going to question your personal integrity. No one's going to say, hey, you were a racist cutting Brock Osweiler. And there's
2: nothing you it's like Chip Kelly like Chip Kelly was called a racist by LaShawn McCoy right and yeah. there's there's nothing there's as a white person I can tell you there's not there's no real defense I can say like I'm super comfortable around black people at least I think I am and I, I don't I don't carry any grudge against somebody because they're black I, I I don't consider myself a racist but once you put that out there like there's I can't really defend it like, there's nothing I can say to change your mind it's a black person calling a white person racist like it's it's an indefensible comment that that is uh, that would happen to whatever coach or general manager or president or owner that would ultimately cut him.
4: It, I'm just saying the whole thing is like a guy going into a nightclub and he can't get a phone number from any woman. And he goes to the excuse of, oh, they just don't like me because – I'm overweight, or I'm too tall, or I'm black, or I'm white, or whatever, whatever the excuse is. And none of his friends will say, hey, man, you know you haven't showered in three days, and your body odor is off the charts right now. Maybe that's why no one's hollering at you. And (laughs) that's what someone needs to tell Kaepernick, man. Sean King, the guy from the New York Daily News, all these other race hustlers that he's running around with, that their body odor keeping NFL teams completely away from them. and someone needs to be honest with the dude as long as this is the crowd you're going to run with your BO is so bad they're not touching you man because it's too dangerous
2: that that die is cast i don't even think of it. i don't think there's any changing from it now and then as you know once you're out of the league you're kind of out of the league you're out of sight you're out of mind league starts and and you're and you're gone. And that's and then people move on. People move on but to the to
4: the next. There's one. a current NFL head coach, I'm not gonna put a name on it, I'm not gonna say the relationship, but some teams wouldn't touch him for several years because he was too tight with a reporter that they didn't trust or like. There was a controversial NFL reporter that this coach is very tight with and there were a lot of NFL teams like, nope, not touching him. The baggage of that reporter that he's tight with, and the sensational articles that could go up about our team—we ain't touching him. And so these sorts of political things go on all the time. It's all—it's not as simple. as, Oh, he threw 16 touchdowns, only had four interceptions. There's a whole big package that goes along with getting any deal, with hitting. Look, I mean, you're talking to a guy who knows it from my own experience as a journalist. My point of view, being middle of the road, now labeled conservative, makes me off limits to a lot of media outlets. They just ain't having it. You, You can't be an independent black voice in the media and just get hired wherever the hell you want to anymore. I'm willing to accept that, that I don't fit in everywhere. And so there's only certain organizations that will even consider me, and even those organizations have people within the organization that would prefer that I preach the liberal dogma that all black people in the media must preach uh, in order to be employed. So it's uh, the the lack of common sense being applied to the Kaepernick situation. Is one of the most frustrating things I've ever experienced as a journalist.
2: Well, I, I just—I'll tell you first. I don't just agree with you. I agree with you because it—it it brings the proper perspective. But I—I I think it's—it's it's one of those things. You said it earlier, talking about how people don't understand locker room culture. It's one of the one of the reasons that I, I like working with you is because, as a former football player, you understand. The business of athletics, right? And so many people, one, the Kaepernick story brings in mainstream media that doesn't normally cover sports, so they don't know how it works. And then it also exposes that even sports media, many of them weren't jocks or many of them haven't been in real business. Like journalism isn't real business. And so they don't understand the politics of it. Simply saying politics, you're like, oh, well, it's because he's protesting. Like, yeah, it is, but there's a little bit more to it than that. There's all these other different layers to it, but people can't and see it because they haven't lived it, they haven't felt it. And I think that's really what allows you uh, greater strength in this, but also exposes the weakness in some others. Does that make sense?
4: A hundred percent. But, you know, look, and football and sports operate at a more efficient, fair level than other professions. But, again, they're not perfect. And so when you think about Kaepernick, just think about the guys on your job that go out drinking with the boss, and the boss hangs out with them, and so therefore they get treated a little bit better. That's some of the issue Kaepernick is doing. I'm not talking about his protest. I'm just talking about he doesn't fit in. He only plays one system. So he's not anybody that knows anything about Kaepernick and is being honest knows. This guy isn't some playbook guru. He's not going to help your starting quarterback prepare. He's not going to see things in the coverages and in the game plan and be a guy like, like a Chase Daniel loves to prepare. Loves yep. When he's with Drew Brees, he'll sit in the QB room and help him break down stuff, and he might see things Drew Brees doesn't see. That adds to his value as the backup quarterback. Cap ain't one of them guys. Nope. Cap's about Cap. About <laughs> and Cap. Cap is a guy. Now, look. If your team is built around social activism and doing stuff that lands well on Twitter, Cap's perfect for your team. He will help you get involved with all the right charity things that bring you great PR over social media. But unfortunately, they're playing football in the NFL, and he's not that good at it to justify bringing him on with all these other issues.
2: And his last three coaches, last three seasons, have all been fired. Not all yeah, his that's fault. That's, that's not good. That's, 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 <laughs> that's not good. Have a great weekend. Um, sorry you're not going to Vegas. and know it's your favorite favorite nah, town to go nah, to. No, no, no.
4: I'm good. I need, you need to break some right,
2: I'm going to holler at you. All right, holler at me. See you, Jason. Right. Jason Whitlock, Fox Sports. Speak for yourself. Uh, that was awesome. That was, by the way, like listening on. That's what my phone conversations with Jason are usually like, too. Meander a little bit, but great points. You're like, well, I just kind of learned something. I learned something. And I we we agree. Like, it's the way of saying it's like, is the protesting the reason why? But it's not because totally of the protest. Like there's it's a there's a lot to it. And frankly, I I can't say I can't say I blame people. Can't say I blame people. What did the Fox say? Clay Travis had an interesting take on who's to blame for last night's Rockets debacle. Wait to hear what Colin Cowherd had to say about James Harden last night. That's next. The Doug Gottlieb Show is brought to you by True Car. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. My thanks to Jason Whitlock, Mike Williams. Awesome hour so far. Um, you know what? Let's uh let's figure out uh, what the Fox said earlier. And now,
1: <laughs> what does the Fox say? I love
2: our national radio lineup. Uh, I love Kooky Clay Travis because he takes a different perspective on many of the topics that we tackle. We're all trying to figure out what happened last night with the Rockets. Here's Clay's perspective.
0: I think this is one of those situations where you have to look at Mike D'Antoni and say. What in the world happened here? When your team comes out and plays like this and loses by 39 points, it's evidence of your lack of control over the locker room. I don't know what Dantoni said to James Harden. I don't know what he said to everybody else in that locker room, but that team shouldn't be capable of showing up in game six at home and losing by that margin. And I'm not a guy who is immediately going to go to coaching. But I think every now and then you see a performance that is so bad that if I were an owner, I would say, OK, what's going on here?
2: Yeah, look, I think it's fair to say they no showed. I think it's fair to say he takes some of the blame. And it, it would also be fair to say that Dan Tony's system has not won the playoffs. But that was a no show by the players. Now, in terms of motivation, part of it is the NBA thing, which is has always been really hard for me to understand, which is NBA coaches, they they. They know you can't go to the whip all the time, but he didn't go to the whip. He just, like everybody else in that team, decided to kind of take it, and there's nothing that they could do to change it. Here's Colin Cowherd.
0: Last night, James Harden quit. He quit.
1: When Nene went down for Houston, James Harden realized, driving to the arena for the rest of the series, bro, it's it's my, this is me now. James Harden, that point forward, was never the same. Without Kawhi, without Tony Parker, at home, James Harden, elimination game, didn't shoot till 6.15 left in the second quarter. We have a pattern now over and over and over when the team really, really says, dude, Nene's down. Okay, this is your series. He did not like it.
2: I do think we have a pattern. I think part of the pattern also goes back to when he was in Oklahoma City and he didn't play well in the NBA Finals. Um, all of those previous patterns pale in comparison to what we saw last night. Like I would like to think that when your back's against the wall and there's the opportunity of of Kawhi Leonard not being not playing in last night's game, that there would be an extra attention to it, an extra energy and more passion. That whole team looked like they had a game tonight. And now there's no games the rest of the season. I do think at some point that he quit, but I don't think he quit before the game began. I I, I think it, it just snowballed. And I would guess that he started out with the best in, of intentions, which are, look, I'm going to try and get everybody involved, get that floor spread, because I know when it comes to winning time, I'm going to take over. And when he tried to downshift himself, he simply could not do it. Couldn't get the calls, couldn't make the shots, didn't feel right. And then when they're down 30, then he did, in fact, quit. What's up, Uh, Every day we play, what did the Fox say? That's uh, what was said earlier on Fox Sports Radio. Tonight is Wizards versus Celtics. Game six. What do all the previous elimination games this season tell us about the Wizards' chances? You won't believe it even after I tell you it. It's upcoming next in the Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Doug Gottlieb show, Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you from the City of Angels. Where there are no playoff teams, but it should be remembered that there was a playoff team. It was the Clippers, and they got eliminated in Game 6. While that may lead you to believe that the Clippers are somehow some exception, they're actually the rule. Welcome into the Doug Gottlieb Show. Hope you had a great week, right? Like, if you're like, what happened this week? Uh, What happened this week? Um, let's see here. Hmm. In sports, James Harden and the Rockets took a dump, right? That's, that's what that was. They took a dump last night. I mean, that was awful. Awful. Unrecoverable. Definitely this season and for seasons to come. Awful. Um, that happened. Golden State eliminated Utah and did so in spectacular fashion. Uh, Hockey, we got our conference finals decided, right? The Capitals lost. I know, I know. You've heard that before. I told you I actually recorded that seven years ago, and it works every year. The Washington Capitals lost early in the playoffs. But maybe what's most interesting is what happened last night and happened in Salt Lake City and happened in L.A. and happened in Indiana and happened in Portland and happened in Memphis and happened in Atlanta and happened in Chicago and happened in Toronto, too. The Wizards play the Celtics tonight. This has been a series dominated by home teams. Home teams win every game. And you know the cliche in the NBA is, right? Series doesn't start till the road team wins a game. Road team wins the night series over. It's actually the opposite. <laughs> um, if what's past is. What's what, what past is Preston. Right? Uh, if you look at this. This is crazy. Home teams are 0 in 10. In elimination games in the NBA playoffs this season. Not one. Not one team has been at home, facing elimination, and won a game. Not won the series, not won two games, not won a single game. That's kind of stunning, right? And it probably helps any non-conspiracy. Like, I don't believe there's a, a true conspiracy about extending series. Did I think that the Kings and the Lakers was a little fishy and the officiating was terrible? And I know Tim Donaghy played into that, obviously. With the previous regime, with 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 Stern and everything, yeah. But the the two reasons, the two reasons that uh, I don't believe the NBA fixes the outcomes of playoff games is one: if it'd been going on for this long, there would have been more people talking. No one can keep their mouth shut; like it's just not possible. Especially now with social media, it's like one of the reasons that I believe that cheating in college sports is happens far less than anybody else does. It's because these kids can't keep their mouth shut; they can't stop snapping photos of themselves. I walked into a—it's so funny—I walked into a uh, there's a restaurant in L.A. which is a new version of a restaurant that's in New York. And the restaurant in New York, like I don't really understand how anybody goes there. It's called Catch. It's in the Meatpacking District in New York, and Catch in New York City. Anybody's ever been there? You make a reservation. You go there. You like, got party of table of four. Okay, uh, have a seat. We'll call you when your table's ready, or you can go to the bar, and we'll like we'll buzz you or whatever. we we'll, actually and now they do it. Remember, they used to give you the buzzers, and now like they just like take your cell phone and we'll text you. We waited for an hour and a half. We were there fifteen minutes early, and then an hour and a half after table. Like that's like normal. Like, well, you know, catches about the scene. Like, I kind of thought it was a restaurant. Kind of thought it was about the food. Like, I'm okay looking at beautiful people walking around, but I'm much better at looking at beautiful people walking around when I have food in front of me for the people that I brought to dinner. Anyway, so I walked in. There's a Catch LA, and it's on Melrose. Is that, is that West Hollywood? I, I don't know my area. I'm not LA. I'm more Orange County. I think it was West Hollywood. And uh, so Buddy of Mine invited me there last night. I, I I walk in, and it was perfect. Like, I I literally walked. told the maitre d', Hey, I'm looking for the pump table. They told me they're going to take me back there. And as I walk in, and it's like a rooftop restaurant. It's really neat. And so part of it is open air. Part of it is covered. There's like two girls taking selfies and doing the fish face thing. And I was like, this is perfect L.A., right? Like you can't go 30 seconds without seeing somebody take a selfie. Kids, it can't stop snapping. Yesterday we had a, we know we had a potential jumper on the roof. So yesterday the show ends. And I look out, and uh, our boss Scott Shapiro is in here. A couple of people from sales is in here. Uh, Ryan comes in here, Ryan Music, who's the producer of this show. And we're walking in and they start taping off outside of the building. And there's fire truck upon fire truck upon fire truck upon. And we're like, wow, is there a fire? And they're like, you can't leave the building okay there's a jumper on your roof and then we turn on the local news and there's somebody who had it was a woman you guys do i was my intuition was correct by the way they're like it's not a woman what woman jumps and she did not jump they saved her Uh, which leads me to a couple of different thoughts that i want to share with you in one second um anyway i'm sure i was going with the jumper thing what was I going with the jumper thing? I wanted to share I that story. Have no clue. I wanted to share what I was going with the, with the jumper story.
4: You're at the eating food at some place. I was eating food. Yeah,
2: well, I was all like only in like L A things that right. you see, oh, right? Okay. L A things that you see. Like <laughs> I saw somebody potentially jumping up a roof. I haven't seen. There's got to be a car chase today. And walk into a restaurant and people are taking selfies, doing <laughs> a fish face thing.
0: It works, I guess.
2: Yeah. So I don't, but the the greatest thing to help anybody who's anti-conspiracy theory, the NBA wants the series to go longer is, well, if that's the case, how come, how come not one of these teams facing elimination have even won a game? The NBA is not ricking these games. They can't. There's that big a disparity. Cleveland won in four, Golden State four. They won in four twice. Golden State won in four twice. Um, Now Boston won in six. It didn't go seven. Oh, and 10. That's craziness. Now, about the jumper who did not jump. Okay, I, I have a, I have a lot of different thoughts that kind of cross my mind here. I'm happy that she didn't jump. That's the first thing. Not just because she's alive, but th- that would be sc- scarring to anybody and, and frankly, that she's alive, right? But, um. But doesn't she have to disclose that to people? Like, how long... I don't know what the statute of limitations is on having to disclose that to people, but in a relationship, how early on do you have to disclose it and don't you have to disclose it and do you have to disclose it it for the rest of your life? Music, what do you think? Oh, man. Like, she comes, like, she probably went to get some mental health care right afterwards, you know, they they took her to the hospital. You gotta wait,
0: you gotta wait, that's like down the road.
2: OK, but like if you if she she walks into the gym next week, right, she's she's down, she's working out at 24 hour fitness and a friend of hers like, hey, where you been? I haven't seen you in like a week. Oh, I just, I, you know, she didn't have to say it then. But if she start dating somebody. Right. At some point, like you're like, not, that's a
0: six months in kind of thing.
2: Six months in. Hey, I once upon a time I was on the top yeah, cause of that's a 30, like an story, intimate thing. 32 32 story building.
0: Yeah, because that's like an intimate thing that you have to know that this is on about to be like a real relationship. Before it's not like, hey, we've been on two dates. By the way, almost the jumped way. off a building, and you know basically how that. What's the craziest relationship...
2: thing you almost did? What's the craziest thing you've ever done? Well, I don't know, crazy, but I was up. Have you ever been bungee jumping? Yeah, without me too, a too, almost a, without a cord, without a cord, without a cord. No, that's something
0: you can't you can't share it for a while.
2: But you have to share it at some point, Ramos, right? Like yeah. you can't, that one can't, you can't take to the grave with you. That one you can't go to the grave. I just, what, I'm just like, what if she's in a relationship, you know? Well, where? hey, how you been? Like, does that come up? It has to come up, right? You know, I, I had a bad day. How about a day? Oh, I was up on top of a 32-story 32, 32 building thinking about uh, jumping off. Happy that she didn't jump. I'm legitimately happy, and it, it is one of those things to which none of us, I believe, could wrap our heads around being so depressed that you would get to that level, which only speaks to that her mind wasn't working correctly and processing things accurately. And it, like, I'm a, a big proponent of mental health care. Like, you talk to somebody because these problems are temporary. And that is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. It just is. But they are problems, nonetheless, but it's something that you can, can be adjusted within the wiring of your brain. And there are professionals that do that. And the reason that you can't understand is because your brain is hopefully processing information and even depression better than hers is. But that doesn't mean that she's not fixable. Man, was that scary stuff. We did have a conversation about ways to go. I, I don't. I don't think that that makes it a fair. That doesn't. That, no, we are. That's not a not doing that. not for, not for air discussion. Not for discussion. Um. So popular um, thought would be, your back's up against the wall, and you're gonna you're gonna win a game. You're gonna force a seven. But like, dude, ten out of ten, that's a trend. But I still think the entire sports world is reacting not to the fact that the Rockets lost, right? There wasn't a lot of buy-in to the Rockets style long-term. Uh, it's, the, it's the context of it. It's the Rockets lost and Kawhi Leonard didn't play. It's the Rockets lost and Tony Parker was, was hurt. It's the Rockets lost and James Harden looked completely out of it. What's bigger, the Rockets losing or pop finding a way to get it done? I would say that, to me, the, the way in which Harden looked disinterested, looked disheartened, I think is bigger. At the basketball guy in me says that this is as good a win as Greg Popovich has ever had. It's not just that he won on the road in an elimination game. He won on the road in an elimination game without his best player without his longtime point guard against a really good team and a really good team at home. Um... But I don't think historically anyone's going to point to that game. We don't do that. It's a flaw in how we cover sports, right? I'm telling you how we in the media are flawed. We got lots of flaws. But one of the big ones is we're going to completely forget. If the Spurs get swept by the Warriors, we're going to say, ah. And and the truth is, like, the Spurs weren't as good as the Rockets. Or this is what happens when you have an upset. It's like we told you about Utah. Utah wasn't better than the Clippers. The Clippers were better. But Blake Griffin wasn't healthy. So the Jazz beat the Clippers, by the way, game seven, elimination game at home. Speaking of elimination game, even the Jazz that even the Jazz lost at home. Like home court advantage isn't the same. But 0-10 in elimination games. Clippers lost at home. But the one of the reasons the Jazz looked so inept was one, they were hurt, and two, they weren't really as good as the Clippers. And so When you have an upset, sometimes it makes the next series look like a far greater disparity than it should have been. I think the Popovich win is bigger than the Harden disaster, but everybody's going to remember the Harden disaster and the Harden no-show, and and Mike D'Antoni's team once again coming up small, more so than they are what Greg Popovich did, also because Greg Popovich has had better wins in terms of winning a championship. We'll ask Jim Jackson, of course, Played in the league, starred in the league, has his thoughts. What happened to James Harden? What happened? Find out next. Doug Gottlieb Show is brought to you by True Car. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Go to TrueCar.com. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Jim Jackson is our guest. I missed him at a cigar bar last night, which I heard it's like his cigar bar. That's what I heard. Jim, is that right, JJ? Did I, is that was your that, cigar bar?
5: I'm, well, it's not mine, but it might as well be as much as I'm there. I mean, where, I was I was hoping you would come by, man, you know?
2: I thought you were going to dinner, so I thought I was going to meet you at dinner. They're like, no, he's no. always at the cigar bar. You can't get him out of the cigar bar.
5: No, no. He wanted to go. You know, your boys, the pumps, they wanted to go to catch and be in the scene. It was a scene. Us. Yeah. A, lot of, a lot of
2: selfies. A lot of selfies. There was an NBA, listen, I won't give away his name. There was an NBA all-star who was who was there. I can tell you off the air because I just, I, you know, it wouldn't be fair to quote him without asking him if I could quote him. Right. Um. And I heard he was there, and I, I went up and I was like, hey, man, what happened tonight? He's like, I don't know. I, I can't figure it out. Like I, And I was like, do you know something about, like, Harden and the rest of the team and Harden and Dan He's like, no. I don't know any like, like he's he just no showed. Well, you look, you were in this league for 14 years. You know it as yeah. well as anybody. What happened last night to James Harden?
5: Well, I I don't know why. No, you, let's go back to Game Five because he didn't play well that game, and coming into Game Six, I thought it'd be something. But it, this body language didn't look good. But the, let, let me back up a little bit in regards to. Who in this situation here with Harden, keep in mind, you know, back a couple of years ago, 2015, I think it was, he didn't play well when he really needed to step up. And that's why I tell people this all the time. Everybody, I put him on a lot of teams. Everybody wants to be the man. Everybody wants to be the LeBron James, the head honcho. But a lot of people can't carry that burden. A lot of people can't come through Despite having the game, Doug, you've been around enough to know James Harden can play. But in the critical moments when I need you to win games, when I need you to pull off a playoff series, you may not be shooting well, but I need you to figure out how to get us to win. It's only a few guys that are playing the game now and that have played the game that can do that. And James Harden, once again, showed us He's great during the regular season. He's great through maybe the first round. But when I need him to win one or two games, I just haven't seen it yet where I can depend on him to pull my, my team through.
2: Is that, is that fixable?
5: I, you are who you are. But here's the thing that, it, that, that doesn't help. I, I played on 12 teams, okay? I had an opportunity, Doug, to play, against, to play for three Hall of Fame coaches, Pat Riley, Larry Brown and Phil Jackson, okay? Some very good coaches in Jeff Van Gundy and Rick Adelman. And the rest were good. I'm going to put Mike D'Antoni in the good category. Great person, great personality, love him to death. But as far as a coach, the problem is the, when I got to Phoenix in January of 2000, 2005, I think it was, we are watching film after a game, defense was terrible. He corrected a little bit, but he didn't make guys accountable. He didn't get on them and say, no, this is what you have to do. Some bad shots, some turnovers. So what happens is you don't discipline yourself and you start to create these bad habits. And guess when they show up? When you play San Antonio in a seven-game series. And I knew back then in January that we weren't going to beat San Antonio in seven games because we haven't had the discipline and we haven't had the work the right um, um, things in place for us to be the right winning habits to be in place to win a seven-game series. And you saw it show up again, once again, with the Houston Rockets. So I'm going to blame Mike D'Antoni as well in regards to how he prepares or maybe lack of preparing his team to win against, a more seasoned and disciplined team like San Antonio.
2: Jim Jackson, fourteen-year NBA vet, course college and a pro analyst for Fox Sports and Fox Sports Radio, joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Okay, so help me out with this. I mentioned you're out. You got your kind of uh, cigar bar where you're the big celeb and everybody comes and kisses the ring in in uh, in West Los Angeles. And uh, but like, look, you're a grown man. You've always handled your business the right way. Uh, right. I. I I I wonder about Harden went out after last night's game and like look I'm not one of these you can't you can lose and not go out but the way in which they lost at home like I don't know kind of feels like there's a disc you don't have to you don't have to cry when you lose but how do you go out when you get embarrassed like that do you think it looks it should look as bad as me as a fan thinks it looks
5: well yes because if you're Ryan Anderson maybe Patrick Beverly, Trevor Ariza, they don't care. They don't care if they see you. But when you're the guy anointed to lead the team to a championship or get to the Western Conference Final, and you haven't played well for not one but two games, and you're out, did, did, did James Harden probably feel bad that he lost? Yes. I'm not even saying that's not the case. But the appearance that it didn't really matter is what we're talking about here. I can't go into the mind of James Harden or how much it lost. I remember when I lost in Sacramento to the Dallas Mavericks when Chris Webber got hurt, I was crying, okay, because I felt that was our chance to get to Western Conference Finals and the chance to get to the finals. I didn't want to go anywhere, but that's just me. Maybe he handles it differently, but, Dougie, as you know, as as the face of the team, everything you do is going to be scrutinized. So why even play into that? Why not wait a few days? Look, dreams ain't going nowhere. I used to live in Houston. It's been there for a while. It ain't going nowhere. He could have went later on in the week and nobody would have said a word. But right after the game that you lost and you didn't play well, not a good look. But it, it takes something, though. It goes back to the undisciplined nature of the system. When I played in Miami, Doug, Pat Riley had his ear to the street. He knew everything going on. So, you know, as a player, I couldn't put myself in that situation because he was going to judge me and look at me upon that. So as, as a team, we knew certain things we could and couldn't do and should and shouldn't do. If you don't have that, the way you play a lot of times is how you carry yourself when you're off the court. And that was a bad decision to me after the game that James Harden made.
2: Jim Jackson joining us on the Doug Gottlieb show, Fox sports radio. Um, Okay, what about Pop? You know, how much hmm. – look, here's – so, so oftentimes, Jim, we get caught up, and as you've made the transition from athlete to media, you see it too. Like, we get so caught up in who wins the last game. that only, yep. You can only be great if you win the last game. And I know Pop has won the last game and has all those rings, but, but the ability to win without Kawhi, the ability to win without Tony Parker – of course, it's the first year in forever without without Tim Duncan, um, yeah. and to win multiple like to win that series and to win in that way to just take the heart out of the Houston Rockets like that's as great as any coaching performance you can have. You talked about the culture that they've instilled the whole time. They played without mm-hmm. they played without Kawhi eight times this year, won seven of them anyway. So so they knew right. that kind of coming in, but I, I don't know. Like, am I overstating uh, how how impressive that win was? because they were so depleted, because well, I have respect for Houston, in saying that that's the type of win that's a great coach, maybe even more so than some championship wins might be. Is that fair?
5: Well, on the outside looking in, for, for somebody like me on the inside that knows the two coaches extremely well, not surprised whatsoever, because it's a game of adjustments, whether that's in between games or in game. And Mike D'Antoni didn't make them. Popovich did in regards to how he attacked the switching defense with the smaller guys. But here's the, the beauty of it. They've been doing the same thing since 97. Okay? You, you made the playoffs every year since 97. The discipline required in what they do is why they're able to not. They don't win the championship back-to-back they don't every year, but they're competitive. And, that, and Doug, that's the difference. Right. The difference is they develop winning attitudes, a winning work ethic, a winning discipline, and winning habits. So if you take a Tony Parker out of the lineup, if you take a Kawhi Leonard, guess what happens? Because you're not dependent upon one person. As you saw it, Doug, you would have loved it last night because you were a passer. You were a playmaker. Look how the ball was hopping last night. Yep. I mean, and and, and people, we we get so caught up in a lot of times in regards to a guy scoring 40 or 50, but how did he get it? Was it efficient or was it not? Did he take a lot of contested shots? Last night, LaMarcus Aldridge dialed it back a minute. He was posting up inside, but it was well-executed plays, guys giving up the basketball, guys playing defense. They adjusted defensively. So the job for Pop didn't surprise me because – I don't expect anything less. You're not always going to win the game, but the proper game plan, Dougie was in place for his team to go out there and execute against a team coach against Mike D'Antoni, who doesn't make in game adjustments adjustments. Well.
2: Last, last thing, uh, people are starting to, to talk about LeBron approaching Jordan. You were in the league, you were guarding him. You, you, you know, you don't remember what it was like, you know what it was like. Yeah. Um, Are you okay with people putting LeBron in the Jordan discussion? Or maybe some are putting him above Michael Jordan now.
5: No, I'm – oh, definitely. You know what the funny part is? I said this before. When Shaq was so dominant, we got a chance to compare him to Will Chamberlain before him, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as far as dominant centers, okay? Michael Jordan, we saw Connie Hawkins, Dr. J, kind of that – highlight, real kind of person. Even Kobe, we saw Michael Jordan. With LeBron, you tell me one single player we've seen that we can say we can compare him to. You haven't. Uh, but he's a combination. He's, like well, a, he's a combination, but it's,
2: it's got to be magic, but he's so much more athletic than magic.
5: But, but he's not one. He's not one where we can dial back the hands of time and said, here's LeBron. Another inter- iteration of Dr. J. This is another iteration. You know what I mean? Because we, we haven't seen it. And what he's been able to accomplish, forget the rings, forget the three out of four. Look at what he's doing at age 32 and 14 years. And they're going to say, well, Eastern Conference, he has nobody to play against. Well, that's not his fault. he got to play against somebody. Hey, and he's still able to win it. He's still able to dial it in. And we want to we want to take – I, I always say don't take greatness for granted, and that's what we're doing with LeBron. And when he's gone and out of the league, we're going to appreciate what he was able to do. And, again, a lot of people have revisionist revisionist memories. I played against Michael. I was there. I mean, the goat. But LeBron, let me tell you something. When this thing is all said and done, forget about how many championships. What he's been able to accomplish, I'm going to put him right up there. Above him? I'm not going to say above him. It may be 1A and 1A, period. <laughs> 1 a. I, it's, it's hard because I, cause Michael attacked differently. Yep. Michael was a really good post-up player, good pull-up player off the dribble. LeBron doesn't have those two in his games, yep. but LeBron rebounds better and passes better. So they're different yep. in what they do, you know? So, but he's definitely in the conversation.
2: Hey, man, have a great weekend. Uh, look forward to, I'll see you at the c- c- Cigar Bar very soon. I appreciate you joining us on Come on, Fox Bro- brother
5: you better.
2: read I'm bringing. I'm bringing. I will. Jim Jackson joining us. Still, still <laughs> he and Harold Dean, two best arms in the history of college basketball. Like any kid who ever grew up watching college basketball was like in the gym. Like I got to get arms like Jim Jackson. I got to get arms like Harold Dean played at Virginia gym at, at Ohio State. He's awesome. All right, quickly, let's find out what's trending. When things come out of left field, having a game plan matters. Farmers Insurance has over 89 years of experience helping people play through every stage of the game. We've seen almost everything. So we know how to cover almost anything. Visit farmers.com.
3: We are farmers.
2: The crazy thing about Jim Jackson, who just joined us on Fox sports radio is that uh, Jim Jackson, a little bit older than me, right? I I grew up watching him play uh, at Ohio state. My dad's an Ohio state alum. And, uh, uh they had a point guard Jay Burson before he got there who was a stud Then Jim Jackson was the first two-time Mr. Basketball in the state of Ohio and of course a superstar when he was at Ohio State. Crazy thing about it is like I I I look I think I look fairly young for my age but like Jim Jackson looks the same age or younger than me. <laughs> he looks exactly the same as when he played. It's crazy. Crazy crazy crazy. All right, let's get you updated on uh, some stories you may have missed. Some things that you may have let pass by, but as you're getting ready for your weekend, you want to know. We call it the press. The press.
1: Do, 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 do. Are you ready? Dan Byer, what, what do you got with you? Are you the press? ready to go? I wasn't sure if I should just jump in or not. No, no, no. You I, know, I was, I was uh, taking a breath, like pregnant pause. Johnny Ramos gave me the number one but I I don't know if he was pointing to me or saying he was number one. Mm. Uh, Speaking of number ones, first-round pick of the L.A. Chargers, Mike Williams signed his contract, did so yesterday, and today he joined you here on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio.
3: My agent told me he was going to handle that. got a great deal, so, I mean, I was pretty cool with it. I just wanted to get that done so I could come out here and learn and come out here with the guys and just have fun with those guys, you know, just get out here and have fun.
2: I'm I'm encouraged, not just because all the Chargers draft picks, I believe, have already signed. Like, look, we're getting this thing done really early. Last year, remember Joey Bosa, long holdout over essentially nothing, right? And then he missed the first couple games. Bosa turned out to be a beast. Um, But I, I, I honestly feel like the, the Chargers, people think that the Chargers, because of the second team in L.A., it's going to be a harder sale. 30,000-seat uh, um, stadium, right? StubHub where the Galaxy play. That place can be packed. They have a star quarterback. They put better... They revamped the offensive line again. Um, like, at some time, Keenan Allen's going to be healthy. Now you got Mike Williams the a deep downfield threat. You got a deep downfield threat. You still have old man Winter catching the ball over the middle and Antonio Gates. Melvin Gordon seemed to come into his own last season. Like I kind of think the Chargers might be the team that no one's talking about. And look... People in L.A., they got behind the Rams when they came, and then they bailed on the Rams as soon as they started losing, right? And no one knows if Jared Goff's any good. Sean McVay, who, good dude, like in his early 30s, I think he's got good energy, but it's going to be a process of building. Whereas the Chargers, look, the Raiders have a ton of talent because they've drafted well, they've drafted high for years, and they have a really good quarterback, but there isn't any reason that the Chargers who gave away game after game after game after game last year can't be competitive And I'm excited to see because they have all their guys fully um, signed, sealed and ready to play. What they look like game one.
1: They realize that the LA market is still up for grabs yep. and you can't have holdouts. And if you can win right away, you are going to win in this market. Yes. Um, speaking of winning, uh, the Mets haven't been doing it lately, but uh, why not distract from what's going on at the big league level by uh, this report from the New York Post saying that the Mets have had talks about promoting Tim Tebow in the minor leagues. He would move up if he did from class A to high A okay. ball. Tebow hitting 250 with two home runs, but. Hitting three twenty six over his last sixteen games, according to the Post. Starting to feel it. Starting to feel it.
2: Got a couple ground ball with eyes. Like, look, moving up from from a ball to high a ball. Like, hey, we can move up to high a. going we do high a? It's not like they're promoting him and he's going to start in right field for the Metropolitans. But yeah, I mean, Juris Familia has uh, what he's got. An, he's got. He's got a blood clot in his shoulder. Uh, Matt Harvey. Matt Harvey was not too drunk to go play golf, but was too drunk to show up to work. Mm. So they sent security. Noah Syndergaard's got a torn lat out. Mm-hmm. So things aren't, Curtis Granderson just stinks, flat out stinks over the hill. And so when things aren't going well, it's a great, it's the, the old bait and switch. Like, hey, don't worry
1: about the big team. But Timmy down in a ball got a chance. EA Sports announces that the Patriots quarterback Tom Brady will be on the cover of Madden 18 coming up this summer. Do you get do, do you play Madden? Um, I'll do it like every couple of years because it doesn't change as much from when I play.
2: It's actually great for for NFL season. I don't know, like, and especially last year. Last year you it updates stories as they go, updates players mm-hmm. as they go. Once you if you log in online. It's kind of good for our business because you're like, oh, I totally forgot he played. <laughs> I've done that every year since I've been a, a broadcaster. I also, my son's eight now, so we go at it and play Madden in the morning before school. Uh, he still wants to play on my team because I still kind of dominate in Madden. Um, I don't understand the whole e-sports e, 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 e thing. Like, I would never go watch somebody else play Madden. I just
1: <laughs> you don't watch anybody else do it. No,
2: I don't want to watch somebody else sleep with my wife either. Like I just Jeez. don't like those things. Holy don't smoke. want to. I don't want to see those. Those are the things I don't want to see happen. So, um, people are concerned about the Madden football curse,
1: right? That's who, a that's who, in Madden sixty nine. Who was so. in? Yeah.
2: Who was in? <laughs> who was on the cover of Madden last year? Do you remember?
1: I know. I do know who Gronk.
2: Yeah. Did Matt, did he get hurt?
1: Yes, he did. All right, who, was on the,
2: who was on who was on the cover of Madden uh sixteen?
1: Um <laughs> I, I do know that. Yes. Yeah, Odell Beckham Jr. Did he get hurt? Um no, not that year. No, he did not yeah. get hurt. He did not get hurt that year. The year before that, I
2: think it was Richard Sherman, right? Who, yep. who didn't get hurt. Yep. So we we've pretty much gone away from this. They had the you know, they had Barry Sanders, 25th anniversary one. They had Adrian Peterson, who didn't get hurt that year, I don't think. So the Madden curse has kind of gone away. Like, they had it around, the game has been around long enough to survive the Madden curse. And even if Tom
1: Brady did get hurt, they still got Jimmy Garoppolo. Final one for you. Two women in Jonesboro, Arkansas, have been busted for stealing a tractor trailer full of Little Debbie snacks. The trailer went missing early Wednesday after it was taken while it was sitting outside of a storage unit. Over $5,000 of Little Debbie products were in the trailer, according to the person who actually owned the truck. $5,000 worth of Little Debbie. Zebra cakes, my favorites.
2: Zebra. I was getting that was my next question. Uh, What about you guys? What's your what's your favorite Little Debbie?
1: Got to go zebra uh, cakes. Really? Yeah. Love them.
2: Zebra cakes are the ones where they're like yeah, uh, white and white and black, right? It's yeah. all it's, and it's like white, swirled
0: white frosting, white cake, white frosting on the inside, and then just black frosting stripes on the outside. Yep.
2: Yeah, but they also have what? What are the black ones that are like swirled, like chocolate on the inside? Like, but but none of these are my favorites, by the way. My favorites are the oatmeal cookies. Oh, there's sure. There's banana twins, banana pudding nah. rolls,
1: nutty bars. There's
2: nutty bars. I like those. Marshmallow supremes. Uh, there's a the cheese Danish. Uh, Swiss cake rolls are what those are called. I would go oatmeal cream pie one, Swiss cake rolls two. And that's the press.
4: Hey, get out there and press. That was the press.
2: And they were like 99 cents. They still 99 cents for a box. So there had to be 5,000 boxes in there, right? It was <laughs> it was like, like when you're trying to calculate like how much, like when, when, when they say like, well, there's $5 million worth of cocaine was taken off the street today, right? And there's like big packages of... Did, Big packages of cocaine. Like, that, that's a, a lot of cocaine, but you have there's a calculation there. It's a pretty easy calculation with debt, little Debbie stacks, right? Like, but it was is that what you said, Dan? It was 5000 Yeah. $5,000. So that it had to be 5,000 boxes because it's 99 cents a box. Simple as that. What Greg Popovich and Aaron Rodgers have in common. Next. You can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for, and on average, save over 3000 off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Doug <laughs> Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Hey, have yourself a great weekend. We're getting close to summer. That means lake and uh, beach season, and have a good time. Enjoy the water. Make sure you can swim. You're out in uh, West Coast, sharks, right? Like Sharknado, um, but if you're drinking, no drive. It's like no excuse anymore, right? With Uber, it's like no excuse. None. I have I have zero time for you if you make some excuse about how you just had to get home. Sorry, dude. I got hit by a drunk driver. Plus, I'm a human being, and it's not a good not a good thing. Not a good thing. So i I thought of this. I thought that there's there's something about Aaron Rodgers, something about Greg Popovich, which are the same. They both won championships in the past. I had this heated discussion with Joy Taylor and Greg Jennings yesterday on uh, Joy Taylor's Facebook Live show, in which I, I agreed with Greg Jennings. Like, um, I understand that Tom Brady, we call him the GOAT because he's the most accomplished quarterback, but who's actually the best quarterback? Would you rather have Aaron Rodgers or would you rather have Tom Brady? I would rather have Aaron Rodgers because he can do so much, many more things with his legs, because his arm's so much stronger. He's definitely accurate, they're both super bright. And what people say is, well, one has one Super Bowl, one has five Super Bowls. And, and that to that argument, I, I can't, I have no, but if there's boxes you check on quarterbacks, Rodgers checks all of them, and he's won a Super Bowl. But maybe even more so is, like, what Aaron Rodgers was able to do this year when they were 500 or below 500 disaster, and he said, we could win, you know, we I just win the whole thing, and they won all those games, and they win in Dallas in the playoffs. Like, that's a lot like what Pop did last night. Green Bay wasn't going to get to or win a Super Bowl. Their defense was a joke. It was terrible. They had to convert a wide receiver to be their running back. Their offensive line was actually pretty good, and Rodgers was great. And the wide receivers, Jordy wasn't the same as he was before he tore his ACL, and so he couldn't get deep behind the defense, and so Aaron had to throw a lot of them open. But the point is, it wasn't a Super Bowl team, but in order to go on the run they went on, in order to overcome the pressure of winning and playing well in Dallas, he had to be as good as anybody who's ever played the game, just like Pop, in order to win that series. You know, they got embarrassed in the first game. I mean, absolutely embarrassed. We, I thought I, I declared them dead. They lost Tony Parker for the rest of the year, maybe for his career, 34 years old. To win the series, then do so. Kawhi hurt at the end of game five, doesn't play game six, don't have Tony Parker the whole time. And to beat the Rockets, and not just beat them, to beat them so badly. Beat them into submission. They're not going to win the championship. By 39 on the road. They're not going to win championship. They're not going to beat the Warriors. But it's that's greatness. Greatness can that cannot. We cannot be people that only define greatness as people who win championships. Greatness can be an in individual or small performances that show up on incredibly big stages. But maybe not the biggest of stages. That's food for thought for the weekend. Have yourself a safe and happy one. Magic head coach Frank Vogel joins us next week. We'll be back on The Doug Gottlieb Show.
5: I'm Katya Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means.
0: Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, voidware prohibited by loss. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. We are the voice
1: of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American.